A very special anniversary this weekend. In fact, on Saturday, uh, Mario Andretti, 50 years ago, yesterday, his first win in Formula One in the South African Grand Prix. Mario, March 6th, baby. Mario Andretti joining us now. And Mario, as the years and the decades have gone by, are you still able to recollect that race and that first win and just everything that happened with that race? But of course. Of course. <laughs> I mean, this. uh you know, obviously, when uh, I'm reminded of it, especially like uh, from you guys, <laughs> it brings back the fun memories, uh, uh, very important moments of my life. And as you can see, I was so interested in, um, you know, in, in the Formula One aspect, and I was uh, just getting my feet wet and uh, fortunate enough to be in a Ferrari, even though I was the third car on the team. Um Still, uh, you know, to be able to pull it off uh, and and win my first race with Ferrari, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was like uh, pretty much uh, accomplishing part of my dream, the dream I've had, uh, you know, since I was just a teenager. Mario Andretti is a longtime friend of the freaks and maybe the greatest driver ever in the history of man. Mario, you talked about a third car. A lot of people don't think of what the third car designation means. They know about the top driver, the second driver, but a third car, what's that about? Well, basically what I'm saying about a third car is that uh, a team like today is usually composed of two cars, you know, a two-car team. Um, every Formula One team, even today, is basically two cars, two drivers. And, uh, and when in those days, uh, they were able to, um, you know, to add a guest driver, uh, you know, and that's really what I was. Uh, Mr. Ferrari, uh, just, uh, you know, I had enough pull with the FIA that he said, I'm going to enter a third car <laughs> with a guest driver. And that was it, you know, and that's how I, actually uh, debuted with Lotus uh, in, you know, three years before in, in 1968 at Watkins Glen, you know, as the third car, I put the car on pole. And, uh, and uh, again, today, uh, I wish they were doing that today. I think it would, uh, it would be great. Um, I think, it, I think publicity for Formula One, even by Allowing, you know, in uh, each guest country, each country that they visit, you know, to potentially have uh, uh, a, a guest driver of, uh, of, can you imagine coming to the U.S. Grand Prix and, and having one of the, uh, you know, IndyCar drivers, uh, you know, to participate with one of the top teams, you know, uh, you know, how much attention that would draw. So, you know, so that's what it was. I was, um, you know, the third driver on the team and, uh, Lord and behold, you know, <laughs> I was the one that won it. Did you know that the Ferrari was powerful enough to take that win? I mean, I know that the race was dominated elsewhere, but you led the last part of that that race, the South African Grand Prix. Did you know that the Ferrari was capable of doing that at that time before you entered the race? Well, Crash, obviously, you you can only hope. You know that you're with the, definitely with a top team. You know, Ferrari was always... Uh, <clears throat> A protagonist, uh, you know, and, and no matter what in Formula One, you know, over, over the years to today. But, uh, um, yeah, the car was definitely competitive. Uh, it was not, uh, you know, uh, anything that, uh, you could say, okay, for sure, I have a superior car because, uh, the McLarens at the time were very strong as well. In fact, uh, 
it was uh, McLaren that was leading until I took over, mm-hmm. you know, with Dennis Holm. And then, but the big satisfaction that I derived from that win was that uh, uh, where uh, Jackie Stewart finished second to me. So, you know, here's an established, uh, you know, world champion at the time. And so, you know, we pretty much uh, felt that we were ahead of the best. And uh, and so the satisfaction continued. You know, two weeks later, I won both races at the Questor Grand Prix, you know, with Jackie Stewart finished second to me then. You know, so uh, it was, uh, you know, it was very satisfying uh, time of, uh, of my career for sure. March 6th, 1971. We're talking to Mario Andretti, the driver of the century. Of course, that was last century. He's still the driver of the century. He's the driver of every century. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Talking to him on Speed Freaks on a Sunday night, 50 years from your first Formula One win. It was just two years ago we were talking to you on your 50th anniversary of your Indy 500 win. And you've talked to us many times about how you went from IndyCar to Formula One. But can you kind of, in a nutshell, tell that story again for people who don't or maybe not uh, don't understand? Well, you know, very quickly, you know, my love for for uh, motor racing uh, started when I was still living in Italy. You know, as a young lad, a young teenager, uh, I was 15 years old when we came to America. But uh, uh, basically, uh, Formula One was the, the, the type of racing that uh, I fell in love with because of uh you know, Ferrari, Maserati, Alfa Romeo, and the current world champion in the in, in mid-50s. And then, um, so, uh, when I started racing in America, I just always had an eye to uh, uh, to somehow uh, earn my way into Formula One someday. And uh, I could have been very satisfied with my career uh, here in Indy cars and then having that opportunity to drive sports cars and then you know some stock cars and have some success there as well but formula one was always in the back of my mind and um and so again that's how it started for me i, I did it, it part-time because i had too many commitments here that things were really going well here for me but ultimately i felt that um you know somewhere god willing during my career i would have the time to uh, devote full time to Formula One, and uh, and we did, and and obviously uh, we accomplished uh, my most ambitious goal, you know, to win the world championship. Oh, I know precisely how you were able to make enough time to do this. You flew the freaking Concorde. You had a helicopter <laughs> take you from Pennsylvania to JFK, land on the tarmac, load you into the Concorde, and fly overseas. It was amazing the transportation you had back then. Yeah, you're right. You know, it's, uh, it really is. Uh, you talk about uh, modern transportation, uh, and uh, I experienced that at its very best because, uh, you know, I could I would go from here to, uh, you know, from Nazareth to somewhere in Europe, uh, you know, London or Paris, uh, just like going to Chicago. You know, it was just a, <laughs> uh, it was just a kick. In uh, you know, in ni- I keep saying my. But it's true. In 1978, I had 24 crossings that year. That year alone in a Concorde. Uh, you know, during that season, because I was, you know, Formula One, I was driving uh, for Roger Penske in Indy cars and then the IROC series. And between testing one thing and another, I was in and out of Europe. You know, it seemed like every week, every you know, at least once a week. Mario, as your Formula One career was heating up, you had enormous obligations and commitments to racing here in the United States, but you always wanted to run Formula One. You had success at it, showing that you could do it. Why didn't you move to Europe for a couple of years, maybe get that out of your system 
Turns out you won a championship in 78. Why didn't you just leave and go there for a while and get that done? Well, uh, that's a good question. I think it was always suggested, but uh, I, I just wanted to do it my way. Um, you know, my home uh, was and it would always remain here. I didn't I didn't feel like I wanted to relocate because I wanted to keep stay in touch with the with the racing here. That's why I kept driving Indy cars because I felt that uh, you know uh, sooner or later I might my, my career would definitely wind up back in the, in the states. So uh, I, I like I said, uh, you know, you you can uh, a lot of people just uh, you know thought that it was uh, they had the better idea, but, uh, it was my idea that, <laughs> that worked for me. So, um, and, and it definitely worked. 50 years ago, March 6th, yesterday, uh, Mario Andretti won his first Formula One Grand Prix, well, his first Formula One race, South Africa Grand Prix, and he continues on with us here in the Freak Nation. Statman, go right ahead. So, Mario, we're celebrating your 50th anniversary of your first Formula One win, came in South Africa. But success didn't tumble out of the box after that. It was a couple of years before your next win, and then another couple of years before your championship. There's always frustration to a driver when he doesn't win. But did you ever question your ability to do that at that level? No, I I think... Uh, uh all along, you just have to uh, stay on the positive side. Obviously, there were times when I didn't have a very competitive car, like, you know, when I was in a march and so forth. But uh, uh, all in all, uh, I always felt that, uh, you know, somehow with the right equipment, uh, you know, I could get the job done. you, you got to feel that way. Otherwise, you know, you're beat before you start. So um, I always stayed positive in my own mind without really uh, trying to uh, analyze the situation in depth, because sometimes if you analyze too much, you can talk yourself out of things, you know. So I just, uh, even days where I, you know, realistically, uh, you know, if I would have analyzed it, I have no prayer of bringing anything home today, anything shiny anyway. And uh, <laughs> and yet you go out there and you do your best, and sometimes you surprise yourself. So uh, that's the way I've always dealt with my life and my career. Um, and when good things happen, just gave me more courage, you know, more confidence to just keep going and keep trying to get better and better. Speed Freaks on a Sunday night. We're talking with our longtime friend, Mario Andretti. Mario, you're sounding like a Tony Robbins. You're talking about your passions, what motivated you, what got you to the top of your industry. Who really did motivate you? Was it Drivers, your parents, friends, people we don't know. What motivated you to keep you going when the lights at the end of the tunnel weren't always success? Well, I think it's something I developed out of uh, really the burning passion, you know, to pursue something like this. And uh, uh, certainly uh, my dad, excuse me, wasn't uh, very helpful in that area because uh uh, he, he certainly was not a race fan, but he, uh, he knew all about the dangers of the sport, especially in those days where, uh, uh fatalities were, uh, you know, just too often, you know, publicized. And, uh, so, you know, it wasn't from him. In fact, the fact that he, um, almost, you know, it would have been, um, uh, would have stood in a way we didn't, couldn't even tell him that, you know, that we were, 
But sometimes when you can't have something, you just want it even more. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, there was nothing that could interfere with my desire, you know, to pursue this. And no matter what, you know, so <clears throat> there's always uh, some negatives you have to overcome. But, uh, again, um, I never allowed that to stand in the way. You know, you always, uh, you get knocked down, you just, uh, you get up brush yourself off and keep going. You know, that's another funny story or, or how you and Aldo would hide this from your parents. Can you talk a little bit about that? You guys as teenagers in Pennsylvania and how you would go wrench on cars or, or do figure out your passion without your parents knowing? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the first season, for instance, uh, where Aldo and I and, and four other buddies, when we built the first stock car to race locally, um, you know, we didn't dare. We didn't dare, uh, <laughs> tell my dad, you know, anything about it. Um, uh, and then, uh, here we go out there and we were winning some races. In fact, uh, <laughs> right here in Nazareth in our hometown, Aldo and I won the first race and it was in the papers, but, uh, the, uh, uh, the, what, what the buffer that we had was that my dad couldn't, uh, could hardly speak English by then. You know, I was only, you know, uh, four years after we arrived in America and, uh, and he couldn't read English, so uh, some of people like his boss at work would say, hey, Gigi, you know, your kids are really doing well. He had no idea what the hell he was talking, the guy was talking about. So he thought he was just, uh, you know, praising him for his work. So, um, you know, uh, that was it. But um, like I said, uh, Aldo and I still, we went about it and, uh, and, uh, and got, you know, a lot of work. Good, good things done. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he found out when Aldo got hurt at the end of the season, but uh, that's another story. Mario Andretti joining us here in the Freak Nation 50 years ago this weekend, his first Formula One race, South African Grand Prix. You've got Italian drivers and former champions Giuseppe Farina and Alberto Ascari. Were these drivers that you knew the history of, these former world champions from Italy, you knew all their history and you you admired these drivers or you didn't know much about those two former champions? No, I mean, that, those were my idols. Uh, hmm. I mean, that's how, you know, I became so impressed and enamored with it, you know, along with my brother Aldo, you know, we were both uh, all in and just following uh, as kids, you know, you just, uh, uh, you, you always have to have someone to, to root for and, and for me, it was Alberto Scotti. There was something about him that uh, was cool, just the way he was, uh, you know, being uh, labeled by the press and so forth. Uh, I just uh, I figured, oh, I want to be like Alberto Scotti. And, uh, <laughs> and and that's it. I mean, he was uh, so responsible, you know, for giving me uh, all of these ideas and uh, at the time, you know, to something to pursue, the impossible dream, if you will. But, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, that's that's how it all started. That's the important part. Did you have a chance to meet those guys early in your career? Were they alive? I, 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 pardon, pardon me, I don't know that that answer. Well, quickly, uh, Alberto Scotti was uh, he was killed uh, the uh, the year before we came to the to the states, and uh, no, I never had a chance to meet him. However, mm. however, uh, back I think in '92, I had uh, the honor of inducting him in the uh, International Hall of Fame, a Hall of Fame which I was inducted to uh, wow. two years before. So wow. who would who would have thought, 
you know, when I was 15 years old, watching him race in Monza, that, that he and I would share the same Hall of Fame and all of that. You know, it's amazing when you look back how life could evolve and things that could happen. And uh, that's why it's never the impossible dream, you know, for anyone. If you have a dream to pursue an ambitious one, just go for it. Mario Andretti, we're at the 50th anniversary of your first Formula One victory in South Africa. It's a different time in world history, different time in South African history. You came there as a, a driver born in Italy, but you were an American citizen. You were brash, you were loud, you were an American, and you were good. Were there any undertones, racial undertones, personality undertones that maybe got in the way of your comfort level in the paddock in Formula One? I, quite honestly, I never really pay much attention to that sort of thing, uh, never experienced. The only thing, I was called some nasty Italian nicknames by uh, Foy, AJ, or, or Bobby Unser, but other than that, <laughs> other than that, everything was cool. You know? it's, uh, I, like I said, uh, that's the part that uh, was never, certainly never a negative and never really, you know, Never felt there was anything different there. I just blended in with everybody else, and uh, <clears throat> and that's that was the beauty of it. Actually. No, Mario, you did not blend in. Come on, buddy, <laughs> you didn't blend into <laughs> well, crap. I tried, I tried, I tried. <laughs> just think, AJ and I are BFFs right right now. <laughs> that's true. I just want to know who taught AJ Italian. <laughs> Well, he knew the he, he knew the the nickname to call me. So. <laughs> Was it the one you taught me? Don't worry, I won't say it. <laughs> yeah, he called me a guinea. Uh oh, oh no! Let's go oh, let no. that settle. <laughs> uh, Mario Andretti, when you grabbed that first win, did you know? Uh, that was was that the point that you said, "I am, I'm here. I've arrived. I've." I don't need to prove anything else. I, I deserve to be in a, in a number one seat. Well, I don't know if I ever thought of it that way, but uh, <clears throat> whenever you can achieve something like this uh, throughout your career, you, you got to, uh, you, you, you know, your confidence level, you know, just comes up, which uh, is what you're looking for. Um, you know, after all, uh, you know, you, you always measure it up against the best. And, uh, and if you can somehow belong in that same, uh, the, uh, bring results in that same circle, you know, it's uh, that's that's what the ultimate satisfaction is. And uh, and yeah, you know, the, yeah, you come back and you think, you know what, uh, things are okay. You know, <laughs> I think I can deal with these dudes. You know, Mario, we try and compare generations, whether it's quarterbacks, you know, quarterbacks from the '60s and '70s to. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, and we try and compare Mario Andretti and drivers back in the 50s, 60s, and 70s to current drivers in this day. Is that fair comparisons or unfair comparisons? No, I, I think it's a fair comparison. Quite, I always said that um, uh, uh, drivers of uh, yesterday's drivers would be uh, no, yesterday's champions will be today's champions and vice versa. I think uh, uh, what it takes, what it took uh, 20, 30, 50 years ago to get the job done, the desires, all of the the, uh, the, the work that 
goes into it, and then the passion uh, that that drives you. Uh, it worked then; it would work today. Mm. The, the only difference today, obviously, uh, things are more technical. You know more because the, you know times have evolved, and uh, but um, you know so the equipment, uh, the tools uh, you have in your hands are probably. Uh, better, but then again, uh, the job is the same to try to get uh, 100% out of what, what you have in your hands. Like, you know, even football, okay, the football is the same, but uh, there's the more is known about the, the certain techniques and, uh, and, and all of that. So, again, um, I think as much as things change, they remain the same in that aspect. Mario, the number of times you've come on our show, you've talked about those that you've lost while you were racing in Formula One. Did you have a will when you ran your first or won your first Grand Prix? Did I have a will? Did you have a will? A living, like a, a living, a, will. A, a living will. Did drivers have wills back then? Yeah, well, huh. all I was worried about, uh, you know, uh, at the time, uh, to, to, to try to earn enough so uh, my uh, my family would be taken care of. You know, right. that's. Uh, you know, I always said I, w- I would have uh, raced for nothing, for free, you know, but uh, but I always tried to go for, uh, you know, the, the, the <laughs> best contracts I could could uh, negotiate. And uh, a lot of that, uh, I think, was uh, to, to think about the, my family in case something happened. I, uh, we were, you know, touched too many times too close. I mean, I lost uh, so many, so too many close friends. That um, you know, I had uh, met the untimely death, where you know the that said they left a young family behind them, and uh, so th- those were obviously things uh, that um, mm. you know you had to be uh, thinking about. Uh, you, I didn't dwell on those negatives, but at the same time, I felt the responsibility, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I felt uh, pretty much that. Uh, uh, all along, I, I did the best I could, you know, to to be able to provide, you know, uh, for this family, just in case uh, something, you know, like that would happen to me. Um, and fortunately, uh, uh, you know, so far, uh, you know, it hasn't. You know, I was spared. I, uh, I don't know why I was able to dodge so many bullets. You know, I guess uh, people were praying for me and. And uh, I know that I uh, take nothing for granted, believe me. I know how fortunate or lucky I've been, you know, but at the same time, to go back to your question, uh, 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 did I have a formal will and so forth? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> 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 but uh, you know what? <laughs> the estate was not that great. <laughs> big, you know. Right. So, um, but uh, again, you know, that uh, I had good families on my side and my uh, the end side, my wife's side, and uh, I think everything would have been <laughs> still okay, you know. Uh, so, uh, but <clears throat> but but that was a, a concern of mine. Believe me, it was uh, because uh, I had seen you know other mm. things that uh, from my friends that were not so pleasant. Mario, is it true that you wanted to name Michael Enzo? No, no, I don't know where that came from. I'm just making that from up. Kenny's no. bizarre brain. No, my wife would not have let me. It is interesting, though. Our daughter, who is seven, there are so many Enzos in her class, first grade class, second grade, third grade. It's bizarre to me. 
There's so many Ferrari <laughs> fans. <laughs> well, Mario, before we let you go, your biggest 50th anniversary. Was it your Indy 500 win in 1969 or your first Formula One win in 1971? Oh, don't put me on the box like that. No! I think, <laughs> I think, the, uh, think they're all important. Believe me, on that, on that given day, I mean, they're all something that, uh, uh, you know, that uh, you jump out of your skin for. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, uh, I uh, have a tough time, you know, saying this is better than the other. It's just, uh, uh I've been so, like I said, so blessed, and uh, and uh, each one has got uh, its own flavor, and uh, and 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 my total appreciation for everyone that uh, helped me uh, accomplish all of that. That's fair. Yep. That's absolutely fair because they were both incredible. Well, buddy, let's uh, let's let's hope that we're all still around and we can celebrate another freaking uh, anniversary next year, whatever the hell that might yeah, be, well, right? celebrate 50 years of uh, this interview (laughs) (laughs) Yes, maybe 50 days uh, at the indy 500 we'll we'll find you in may somewhere (laughs) mario this is always awesome and we know your time is valuable thank you once again for being part of speed freaks buddy my pleasure guys always awesome thank you so much see you buddy all the best